Welcome to the Ole Miss podcast that never blows the coverage. He's so fast. He makes fast people look not fast. I got it. He's fast. Never sets an illegal screen. I totally get what you're talking about. And always goes for it on fourth and one. Hut, hut, hike! It's time to justify your existence. I want the truth! You're hearing it. Here are your hosts, Ben Craddock and Paris Shulford. Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence. I am Parrish Alford of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State beat writer. I am the Ole Miss beat writer. Lots to talk about in the program today. Uh, Big basketball weekend coming up. Uh, Rebels coming off a a big win. We'll touch on that a little bit later on. as we touch on that, Dalton, what did State do, man? Did they uh, did they win or lose earlier this week? I forget. Oh, they lost to Arkansas. Um, oh, turned the ball o- turned the ball over twenty six times, and uh, the women have not played in about a week. So just the men have played. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of women's basketball, and I don't much because people tend to run away when when you uh, speak about Ole Miss women's basketball, but. Big win for the ladies last night. Number 14, uh, Kentucky. Ole Miss upsets Kentucky uh, at home. Uh, it's It's been a struggle, uh, but that was their second SEC win this season, and they have been close. And, boy, they lost last Sunday at LSU in just such a bizarre way. You just, you just don't often see uh, a team give up a four-point play with 12 seconds left. But right. uh, the Rebels did that. Then it ended up in overtime. They lost. But big win uh, for the Ole Miss women against uh, Kentucky last night. Folks, I uh, want to mention that you can find our work at djournal.com. Lots of Mississippi State and Ole Miss coverage. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the MSU page or the Ole Miss page, and you can just watch the stories flow. You can find us on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Uh, lots going on in those groups. There is a lot going on with uh, Jeff Levy. If you follow social media, Dalston, just uh, uh, the the Ole Miss offensive coordinator. His name became front and center with the UCF coaching search when it was announced that Josh Heupel would leave UCF. Uh, and become the head coach at Tennessee. When Lane Kiffin was hired, of course, he was hired for offense. You know, this dynamic reputation uh, had just great success uh, as the head coach at Florida Atlantic. Before that, uh, three strong years as offensive coordinator uh, at Alabama. That's his thing. That's his side of the ball. You know, you hire head coaches, you get somebody uh, who grew up on one side or the other, and certainly uh, – was all about offense for Lane Kiffin, but he told us in hiring a coordinator that uh, he wanted to hire a system and let that guy run his system. And that was interesting I, because I I think when you hire a coach, man, you hire Lane Kiffin, you think you're getting a Lane Kiffin offense. And I am sure that uh, what we saw from Ole Miss this season included a lot of uh, a lot of tweaks and a lot of uh, a lot of fingerprints from Lane Kiffin. I don't doubt that at all. But uh, that statement that uh, he wanted to hire a system kind of uh, kind of stuck out. Well, he hired a system, uh, and Jeff Levy inserted the Central Florida system, and Ole Miss had great success. 
and now UCF has an opening uh, at head coach. And if you just uh, do a Jeff Levy search uh, on Twitter, man, there's there's a lot of uh, a groundswell of support uh, from UCF fans for Jeff Levy. And that topic has kind of been slow uh, since the Hypo hiring at Tennessee because uh, UCF is trying to hire an AD. And uh, they made it known they were going to hire the AD first. Uh, their AD, Danny White, uh, wants a staffer at Ole Miss, a fundraiser at Ole Miss, uh, went to Tennessee. So he hired his coach, hired his UCF coach uh, at Tennessee. So uh, kind of a UCF flavor over there uh, in Knoxville. But that immediately just kind of created this buzz for Jeff Levy with a head coach opportunity at UCF. But it's been slow. I think that's going to pick up a little bit because it sounds like a UCF might be closer to uh, naming uh, an AD. And uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, Dalton, to see exactly, look, if it plays out that way, if it plays out that uh, that Levy goes and, and takes the UCF job, I think it will be very interesting to see what a second Lane Kiffin offense looks like at Ole Miss. Uh, as opposed to the first, because right now, when I when I write about this offense, I usually describe it as uh, Kiffin Levy or Levy Kiffin. Kiffin Levy, uh, yep, I put both of them together because I, I really think uh, uh, that's how it's come about. But uh, it, it uh, could be interesting. I, I know Mississippi State uh, hired an offensive coach uh, in, in Mike Leach, and, you know, it, it wasn't as uh, successful as uh, some other Leach offenses in the first go-round. But uh, what's his uh, what's his coordinator situation like? Uh, well, he does not have an offensive coordinator, so like you said, with well, there with you Kiffin, You know, you expect him to come in and run his offense, and that is exactly what Leach has done. He has come in and you know uh, just just run his offense. You know, he has a running backs coach. You know, he's got a receivers coach. You know, but uh, you know he 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 calls the plays. He runs the offense. Just and you saw where. You know, maybe it would have been a little better idea if he had an offensive coordinator that you can run some tweaks to his offense and maybe throw a few wrinkles in there every once in a while because State's offense was uh, pretty awful this year at times. Um, but, yeah, no, Zach Arnett, defensive coordinator, he has complete control of the defense, you know, outside of, you know, the position coaches and such like that. But um, offense is all Mike Leach this year or last year. and I imagine it'll be the same way going forward too, though. Well, now, uh, haven't I heard Zach Arnett's name uh, mentioned with some jobs? Didn't he kind of like uh, maybe he comes, maybe maybe he goes, maybe he stays uh, situation right now? Yeah, and the defensive coordinator spot for Mississippi State has been like a revolving door the last what, half a decade, I think. There's been a new defensive coordinator each of the last four years or last five years, I believe. Um, and Zach Arnett looks like he's going to stay for another year. But, yeah, his name's been thrown all around all over the – the coaching searches and, um, you know, kind of like with Levy, I think that happens whenever you have a successful unit um, in the SEC, especially, you know, SEC coach has a good defense, a defense coordinator. His name's going to be brought up in every single coach and search around. Um, but Arnett's hasn't been a head coaching job. This has just been, you know, defensive coordinator roles at other schools. Uh, most, the, the biggest one was, uh, the biggest two was he applied. He interviewed for the LSU defense coordinator role. Um, and 
I don't know if they just didn't want him or if he turned him down, but no, it just didn't work out. That was pretty, um, you know, he went down there and interviewed or did it over Zoom. I'm not sure how that works in the pandemic, but uh, he did interview for that one. And then the next one um, that his name was in was Texas. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, whenever he took over, wanted uh, Zach Arnett. And that just, I don't even know if he interviewed for that one or if Steve just went a different way for his uh, defensive coordinator, but. Zach's name was right in the middle of that one too. So, you know, you when you can um I really, I guess with Arnett, he's a good coach, you know, runs at three three five. And especially when you go to Mississippi State and your defense is ranked, I think the top four or five in the conference, especially with all the injuries and opt-outs and the secondary they're working with, you know, that kind of shows that you're pretty you're a pretty good coach. So everyone's gonna kinda want him and he kind of brings up it's not your traditional three, three, five. It's kind of weird to do with how many different uh, attacking blitzes and all kinds of things he throws at you in one, in one game. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of wild, unpredictable defense that uh, works pretty well. So. Well, people get amped up about this discussion and I get it when you got a good thing, you don't want to see it disrupted. Uh, certainly uh, Ole Miss fans would love to see uh, Jeff Levy remain as offensive coordinator and, Nothing uh, made it more clear that the administration would also like to see that uh, than how quickly uh, they moved to extend his contract. As soon as uh, uh, Lane Kiffin's extension was announced uh, on the day of the bowl game, uh, the Outback Bowl against uh, Indiana, with, within days, uh, an extension was announced for Jeff Levy as well. So clearly, the administration values his contributions. And when you... Uh, like I said, when you have a good thing going, you, you, you don't want to hit that bump in the road. You, you don't want to have to slow down. You don't want to do those things. Um, but, hey, it's it's a transient position. It's a transient business. Uh, coaches come and go. And at the end of the day, Lane Kiffin hired Jeff Levy, sought him out, evaluated him, decided he would be a good fit, liked what he saw, brought him in, inserted him into his plan, and it worked extremely well. I think you have to trust your probably $5 million coach. We don't know what uh, Lane Kiffin's making right now. Those financial right. terms have not been released. But uh, if you just uh, look at what his uh, original contract was and, and know that he uh, got some kind of raise uh, on new, at New Year's there uh, in, uh, in Tampa – uh, it's not a stretch to think he's uh, in the four and a half to five million range. Uh, you got to trust that guy. You're going to invest that kind of money in a head coach. You would trust him to build his staff, uh, put the people around him that he knows will help him be successful. And I think uh, we're really seeing that from Kiffin. We didn't see it so much on defense. Now, uh, that defensive staff at Ole Miss didn't inherit – nearly the amount of offensive talent uh, that Kiffin right. did on, on that side of the ball. So, yeah, we understand that and we see that. You expect to see growth uh, from those coaches. But I think what we are – what we saw from Ole Miss uh, in terms of the offense uh, and what we are seeing now in terms of recruiting says you can trust Lane Kiffin, but I think you can trust him to make some good decisions about his staff. And so – uh, if it works out that uh, the Jeff Levy becomes head coach at UCF, uh, then that's obviously uh, what Jeff Levy has decided would be best for he and his family. 
And uh, you just got to trust your coach, man. You got to trust your millionaire coach to make another good hire. Yeah, I think it's a, a good point you kind of mentioned now that, uh, you know, they're doing this. Once you get a new good coach and they bring in their, their recruiting classes and stuff, the, the kids that they want, neither one of these uh, coordinators that are getting – that are being talked about in these coaches roles for both of us, you know, Zach Arnett and Jeff Levy, neither one of them are doing this with their recruiting classes. You know, so Ole Miss is uh, – you know, I know it's Lane Kiffin and, and Levy together, but, uh, you know, their offense is doing this with top 10 in the nation, top five in the nation, maybe closer to number one in the nation in the offense. And they're over here doing it with, you know, kids that Matt Luke was recruited. And then, you know, you look at uh, Mississippi State and Zach Garnett's defense, you know, they're top four in the SEC with all these kids opting out and everything and all these injuries. And, you know, Arnett's doing this with something that four coaches ago recruited, you know, that, so it's it's just kind of funny when you look at it like that because you sit here and think about how good these coaches have been and how they've been so successful running this running their offense slash defense and it's just like you know how good could these guys be if they're actually coaching the kids that they recruited you know and if you, in a few years but you know the way if you're successful with the kids that you didn't recruit usually you don't make it far enough to you know coach the kids you did recruit because you go start being a head coach somewhere. It is impressive to see coaches uh, respond that way. To, to take whatever they've been given. And, uh, you know, th this isn't uh, – it isn't NFL. You, you don't get to go out and get new players, uh, you know, through free agency. You, you take uh, whatever is there when you get there and to watch coaches go in. And you see a lot. You see a lot of coaches go in, and, and sometimes it's just that change in energy, uh, which I think uh, Ole Miss had some change in energy right now with the hiring of, of Lane Kiffin, had some change in energy a year ago when that took place. But you mentioned – these players being on Matt Luke's roster last year. And, and they were, uh, but Matt Luke made the decision to hire Rich Rodriguez as offensive coordinator. Well, when you do that, you know you're going to get a run-based offense. You're going to be a rushing team. Well, uh, Luke thought bringing in an experienced coach like that, a former head coach, uh, would be a good spark. And look, just didn't work together. They didn't win enough games, mm -hmm. but, uh, but offensively, uh, I still say that Rich Rodriguez deserves credit. And, and I know that there are some people in the, in the Facebook group that have rolled their eyes at this when I go down this path, but uh, Rich, Rich Rodriguez deserves credit for what he did at Ole Miss last year. He deserves credit for coming in and doing his thing. Matt Luke knew he was going to get a run based offense and uh, that's what he got. But Rich Rodriguez took a pass-oriented offense and made it one of the top rushing teams in the country and really got better as the season went along. I mean, it was an abysmal start for Ole Miss in 2019 at Memphis. Terrible offensive day. But uh, Rodriguez deserves credit for that, for doing his thing with somebody else's players and making them one of the best running teams in the country. So, yes, uh, you see that a lot. So could somebody come in and, and uh, be successful on offense uh, again at Ole Miss? I think absolutely with uh, the players we have seen uh, Lane Kiffin and the staff recruit uh, in this signing period with Matt Corral coming back at quarterback. It's going to be a big, big loss uh, to no longer have Elijah Moore at slot receiver. And we call him slot receiver because everybody needs a position 
but they did so many things with him. They split him out wide against South Carolina. They used him at running back. Uh, you frequently saw him on those little uh, end-around handoffs. Uh, but Lane Kiffin will find that player. I've always been of the opinion, Dalton, that you need elite quarterback play to be an elite team. Those guys don't grow on trees. But in the South, you can find guys to run and catch. Right. Well, I got a question for you then, you know, because a lot of people saw that you saw this a lot this year um, with Elijah Moore and then other players on the team. Everyone was sitting there saying that you needed another threat and you needed another speed strong offense to kind of help with that. And everyone's pointed out Plumley, John Rice Plumley. Um, but, you, you know, you weren't going to take Elijah Moore out of the game to put Plumley in there. It just didn't make any sense. Um, do you think Plumley takes over that role or what do you kind of think about um, uh, that offense and his position in it going forward, I guess. I think uh, John Rice Plumley could very well take over that role. I think that uh, that he uh, is certainly athletic enough to do it. I think he showed that uh, in the uh, Outback Bowl. I think he would be, you know, fast enough. He gives you the versatility of uh, the quarterback skills. I think he's uh, shows some, he's shown some toughness uh, at the position. I think he would be uh, very good at slot receiver. I think that's, you know, what you could see. I think the bigger thing uh, what Ole Miss really needs next year is uh, uh, they they need Jonathan Mingo to emerge. They need right. Jonathan Mingo to be the the consistent. He's he's flashed. He's shown it, but uh, they need him to be the consistent playmaker that they thought they were getting when he signed with Matt Luke's staff. And I think he can do that. I think he can get there. As far as spreading the ball around. Um, that, too, will be something to keep an eye on in year two under Lane Kiffin because when you threw the ball to Elijah Moore, he was going to catch it. And, and right. it sounds it sounds so simple, Dalton, but how many times do you see college-level wide receivers drop a pass or, <clears throat> or catch the ball that just comes to them, which mm -hmm. is great, but uh, elite players, you, you've got to – to reach low and grab a pass. You've got to reach high and grab a pass. You've got to make those catches when the ball is not placed perfectly. Elijah Moore was excellent in that capacity. When you threw it his way, you knew it was going to be caught. Why throw it too many other places? Right. So what's Lane Kiffin going to do with a wide receivers rotation uh, in his second year? Will more of them play? Uh, will somebody move in and out of the game? He's not going to substitute too much because when you get going in that tempo, you don't want to substitute too much because then the defense gets the opportunity to substitute. So that's yeah, that's part of tempo. So that that was another aspect of it. Yeah, but, that's, that's that's a little wild to think about because when you think about Mississippi State and the air raid, Mike Leach is substituting seems like four receivers almost every two plays. You know, he's bringing in you know eight, nine, ten receivers on every single drive and it's just it's hard to keep up with how many receivers they have on the on the field sometimes it seems like especially with the way they block I think all the whole offensive lines played by receiver sometimes what is he uh is he looking for tempo it doesn't sound like it sounds like he's got a play in mind and, and he has uh certain packages that, that he believes can execute it better than others yeah I wouldn't say he's looking for tempo and I think you saw that in a lot of games I think the Georgia game comes to mind, and then also the Ole Miss game. You know, they had a chance when they're down by one or two scores in the fourth quarter to try to come back, but then they, you know, all of a sudden they go on this 12-play, you know, nine-and-a-half-minute drive, and there's only ten-and-a-half minutes left, and they score, and all of a sudden now you're down a score with three minutes left, and it's 
It's like, why don't you speed things up or he'll use all his timeouts on one drive and then all of a sudden you're looking at no timeouts the rest of the game and, you know, they're still down by two possessions. And I think Ole Miss, he wait, he used a timeout that um towards the end of the game that was kind of uh, questionable and everyone was just kind of like, you know, what are you doing? And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Ole Miss was able to run most of the clock out on that last drive. If, you know, if they would have had one more timeout, they could have stopped it and maybe had a chance to score on that last drive. Um, State would have. Um, and the same thing happened in Georgia or another game. Oh, I'm not sure. I remember one of the beat writers asked him about it after the game, and Mike Leach just simply said, you know, if you go coach a team, you can use your timeouts how you like. And it's just uh, he's definitely not looking for tempo because he he runs a lot of, you know, eight, nine, ten-minute drives because it'll be first down, three yards, second down, three yards, third down, four yards, and all of a sudden do it over and over again and end up running 18-play drives. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit, Dalton. Uh, I saw last week, I guess, that Tulsa uh, handed down 13 suspensions uh, after that uh, Armed Forces Bowl fight uh, against Mississippi State. Um, what's uh, where does that stand with State? You know, we we heard the comments at the beginning about we're going to look at this. It's not who we are. We 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 heard the things that you expect to hear uh, after an incident like that. Uh, where do they stand with their disciplinary process yeah i've heard absolutely nothing about the whole what they're going to do for punishment or anything and honestly when, when tulsa came out i figured state would uh, when tulsa came out with the punishments last week i figured state would be right behind them and like okay now we need to actually act on this and say something about this but um i don't know when they'll announce if they even will announce i know um mike leach is uh i don't know if he it's probably a little out of his control but um I'm sure I know he likes to use his punishments or handle his punishments in house because uh, you think about Malik Keith, who was, you know, he was the one that kicked the kid in the fight, you know, but he got a DUI earlier before the season. And he's like, you know, he got like four tickets, DUI was like speeding, like out, like reckless driving, all kinds of different things, um, driving without a license, without, you know, insurance, all this stuff. And, um, instead of him being suspended or anything, I don't think, I don't think he got spent up the first game. They just kind of handled it in house and, you know, had a couple of extra rough practices or something is what they said, or had a little punishment in the, on the leech beach is what they called it. Um, And so I don't know, it, he may handle it all in house, who knows, but there were, there were. Here's the thing. Yeah. You can handle it all in house. That's fine. Again, to me, this goes back to trust the million dollar coach. Okay. Right. Trust your coach to handle his discipline. I don't think it's important that Mississippi State announce what the discipline is. Right. But after that type of incident, that type of fight, all of the negative coverage that came toward the university after that, I think you need to say, hey, it's being done. I mean, I think there needs to be some sort of update. You're still in control of the message. I don't yeah. think you have to lay out what the plan is, but I think you need to reassure people that that you are cleaning up things there i agree and i agree most of it will probably be handled in-house but you know but there was a couple of things in that fight where are were bigger than just normal you know we handle this inside you know right. there was a couple like you know the end where malik keith kicked the guy on the ground like stomped on him i mean they had to carry one of the tulsa guys off the field like he had a concussion you know yeah um, and then, of course, they had the video of all the, the cell phone videos on Instagram and all that stuff afterwards where um, they're celebrating the fight, talking about how, you know, they 
they whooped those guys and how they won the fight and stuff like that. And, you know, once you start doing stuff like that, you kind of make it to where it's, it's a little harder to keep it in the house. Um, and so there's a couple of those guys that are going to, you know, there's going to have to be suspensions or punishments handed out and that are going to have to be known because, you know, you can't just, you know, this guy stomped on this guy's chest and then was raving about, right, raving about it on Instagram Live. You, know, you can't really just sit there and be like, oh, you know, he ran a few extra laps. You know, it's got to be something more serious than that. Who started that fight? Okay. Because when I went back and looked at a couple of videos or the videos that I could see on the videos, it looked to me like the teams were walking away. The teams were headed toward headed toward exiting the field. They were close together, mm-hmm. but they almost were were about to separate. Were about to uh, go their different ways when something was said. I don't. The first punch that I saw thrown was from an MSU player, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Again, I know that what I was seeing was limited to whatever uh, video that person had. Right. And, uh, you know, so what you, you were there, what, what did you see? Well, I didn't get to see the very start of it because, you know, post game, we're all sitting there, started typing, you know, we're trying to get in zoom calls and stuff. And then all of a sudden right. somebody says, Oh my God, everyone looks at the field. <laughs> um, yeah. but you know, it was, that game was chippy from the start. Um, you know, the pregame, they're all in each other's faces. They're pushing each other in, in the pregame because neither one of the teams wanted to be to hold themselves to their 50 yards of the field you know they were all in, in the entire field and it didn't just didn't make sense you know you know I, you hear so much about this mississippi state tulsa rivalry joking um but you know they were the game itself you know in, inside the game tulsa i think had five personal fouls in the game they were just late hits and you know dirty hits and state had three i think themselves and it was just like what do you got? What do you hate Tulsa? What do you hate Mississippi State for? Like you guys have never played before. What is it so dirty? And why is this game so nasty for? Um, and then after the game, of course, all that stuff happens. But from what I saw and what I've heard was, you know, they start pushing and shoving. And then I do believe that on video, the state guy was the first one to throw the punch. Um, I think it was Errol Thompson um, was over there with somebody with one of them. And then just kind of that whole little side of the, of the fight of the, the push the back and forth pushing just went crazy. But from what I've heard online, but I didn't see anything about this was that one of the Tulsa coaches threw a first punch. And, and so I don't know if that started it. Cause I didn't see that on the video. Cause the video of course only picked up like half of the group. Um, but that, that's kind of where people are saying like Tulsa started it, which of course, you know, us in Mississippi, we're going to hear that you in <laughs> Oxford, you might hear something different, but who knows? Yeah. Um, but in Starville, you know, Tulsa started is what it sounds like. But uh, I could see it either way because I, I do believe on video and how it got how it got started, the state may have thrown the first punch. But um, Tulsa was they were they were playing dirty for a lot of the game. You know, a lot of late hits and dirty hits post post plays. Um, so I don't know. Well, uh, interesting uh, start to the new year there for you there with uh, with with the Bulldogs. Hey, let's talk basketball a little bit. Uh, Ole Miss has Auburn uh, Saturday at three uh, at Auburn Arena. Uh, Ole Miss won by what, 10 or 11 uh, January the 6th back in Oxford. This is a different Auburn team, man. Have, have you seen, has State played Auburn since uh, Sharif Cooper has been around, the freshman? Mm. 
No, I don't believe so. If they have, I do not recall, but I don't believe they have this year. No. Yeah, 21 points a game, uh, 9.4 assists. Nine assists. Now, seven that's games. A good year. But uh, that's – anyway, uh, different team. Different team uh, with uh, Sharif Cooper uh, on board. So, we'll see if the Rebels can uh, pick up a road win. Uh, they've had some – They've played Auburn pretty well the last few years, uh, but they did not do well on the road last week. Now, big win, coming off a big win, um, unexpected win over number 11, Tennessee, 52-50. to That's the game. That's the style uh, they have to play. I mean, uh, you saw them against uh, State there uh, in Starville, held the Bulldogs to uh, 46 points. Ole Miss has to play games like that to win. There's such a – such a bad shooting team. Uh, we'll see if they can hold down Auburn with a scorer and distributor like Cooper has been uh, for them. He had 19 and nine. They lost, but he had 19 and nine Tuesday night at Georgia. So we'll see what Ole Miss can get done uh, against Auburn. Who's uh, where? Where's State on Saturday? State is playing at South Carolina. State is a uh lost four straight SEC games. They are really struggling in the, on offense. Um, defense has played well, but their offense just, you know, against uh, Arkansas, they had 26 turnovers. I think they had close to 20 the game before that. And it's just, they just, they, they're just so sloppy with the ball. And it's turned into so many, you know, points in transition for the other team, points off turnovers and state's offense isn't good enough and not built to come back from, you know, 10, 15 point leads. Cause you know, you got DJ Stewart and Iverson Molinar both averaging, you know, over 17 points a game. But outside of them and Tolu Smith, you know, nobody on this team can score. Um, Jalen Johnson, who's a graduate senior, you know, he's he was starting. He's a sharpshooter. He's the best shooter on the team. But then Ben Hallen, you know, put in a freshman, Cam Matthews, over Jalen Johnson in the starting lineup. And Johnson's minutes have gone down a bunch. And he's not just, you know, he's averaging – you know, two, maybe one shot a game now, three points, you know, and uh, and Karen Matthews is not a scorer. He's averaging about two points a game. So it's just like, you know, you substitute offense for defense and now, you know, you can't score to win games. You know, you, you know you're not going to win too many SEC games scoring 40 points, um, which is what they've seen over the last four games. So, um, you know, they, they had a little breakout game against Iowa State in the Big 12 Challenge where they won by 40-something points because Iowa State is – one terrible and missing three starters, but then you get back into SEC play and get rocked by Arkansas. So I don't know. This team is – they looked really good at the start. And then, of course, Ole Miss – the loss to Ole Miss was kind of the start of this little downfall. Um, lose by 20 there, and then all of a sudden you lost – you lose to, you know, I don't even remember who it was now, but they lost four straight now, including Arkansas the last few days. And South Carolina's coming off of um, – a big win over Florida on Wednesday. So, you know, the South Carolina team's not to not to look over. Yeah, well, the, the good news for fans at Ole Miss and Mississippi State is baseball's coming. Uh, almost ba- ba- here. Yeah, ba- baseball's coming. Uh, it is almost here. Both of those teams ranked in the top ten in the preseason. So, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. Changes coming to this show. Going to change the format up a little bit. It'll be Dalton and me most of the time talking – Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and the SEC, trying not to get uh, uh, bogged down in the weeds of uh, the daily beat talk, but trying to hit uh, the more 
intriguing topics uh, around the schools, but around the conference as well. We'll have guests in the mix and uh, going to have uh, just new and different things in that feed. When you, uh, wherever you go for podcasts, we're there. And when you see those shows piling up, sometimes you'll see a little extra clips in there as well. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us. Be Tuesday next week. Thanks a lot.